At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Covering the sports betting landscape from coast to coast, this is Betting Across America on VSIN, the sports betting network. We begin betting across America, presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds for the next three hours here from Circus Sportsbook in fabulous downtown Las Vegas. Wes, uh, you woke up today and had some action overseas in the DP World Tour. So before we get to the PGA Tour, Major League Baseball, of course, we've got a big game six tonight in the NHL we'll talk about. I want to start with what happened last night, both in the UFC for yours truly and what happened to you for golf today. Yeah, wake up to winners. Uh, Z on the end of winners here, hashtag. So uh, it was Halton Lee, by the way, who won in a playoff over Thomas Peters. Also had Thomas Peters, so he get a 1-2 at the BMW International Open on the DP World Tour. That was over in Munich, Germany this morning. Uh, Halton Lee hits a horrible chip on, on the first playoff hole and then drains a 50-foot birdie no on a par five. I mean, Halton Lee, what a whirlwind that was because he was up five shots at one point this round. So it's like, man, I'm going to get a 70-1 to one, nice and easy. No siree. It ended up being a three-way tie. Ryan Fox doesn't birdie 18. Thomas Peters does. So they get into a playoff. Halton Lee gets the win. Thomas Peters second. Ryan Fox third. But it was just, you know... It's just one of those things, and that's kind of like what Hatan Lee is. He gives you the brilliance, and then he gives you such awful shots at times. This was a guy, by the way, he started 2021. He missed 13 straight cuts last year. Whoa. And then finally got on on the right side. I think he made a cut at the Alfred Dunhill Links mm-hmm. over there in Scotland. Played very well, was a runner-up in an event in China to end his 2021. Has a couple top five finishes already this year. So that put me aboard him, and Hatan Lee goes ahead and gets the cash 70 to one. And I loved his interview. Unfortunately, golf channel so good. went away from it, but I did tweet a link out. I found a video on the Twitter machine and his quote was it's effing golf, Beep. you know, just, it's just kind a, of exasperated. And I was like, true words, never spoken in tears. He yes. said that in yes. tears, like you could see the exasperation. Like, Oh my goodness. Like you people, us people do not fully understand mm-hmm. what it's like to go out there and grind for four rounds, mm-hmm. which is kind of a shadow of golf. That they, they you got to play four rounds. How hard it is to win mm-hmm. on any tour, whether it's DP World Tour or the PGA Tour, and to get that done for a guy that has gone through the trials and tribulations at seventy yeah. to one to cash that ticket. Yeah. I was happy for him, and certainly happy for you. Very quickly, the, what was the Belgian bombers number that you had? Thomas Peters was twenty-two to one. He was, uh, you know, kind of a close favorite. He actually played very well at the U.S. Open last week, T twenty-seven. So I was like, okay, drop in class, DP World Tour. This was a little bit of a weaker field, even though you did have Billy Horschel in the field and Sergio Garcia and yep. Louis Ustazen and a couple other guys, Bern Beesberger as well. 
but you know this was a downfield based on the quality and we're going to get uh we're going to get a lot like next week when we got three different events you got a DP World Tour event in Ireland you've got the Live Golf event in mm-hmm. Portland probably going to be the best field at least at the top isn't that wild yeah like again and and it's something that I was thinking about today when we talk about the world of golf and trying to get the best golfers in the world well eight of the top fifty are now going to be playing in this live golf event in Portland, if everybody tees up that we think is going to tee up. And so it's hard to identify truly who the best players are because those points are not going to go towards world points. And next week's kind of a weird week, too. You do have, by the way, the PGA Tour is going to be at the John Deere Classic there in the Quad Cities. And Daniel Berger, I believe, is the headliner. So you don't really have a lot of quality at the top of the field. And you got a lot of guys, probably, that are going to take next week off anyway because this was a really good field, by the way, in Hartford this Mm -hmm. weekend for the Travelers. So it's like... Well, we just went through the U.S. Open. We just went through that. Now we've got the Open Championship here in about three weeks. So it's like there's so few weeks where you can take off yep. if you're not playing in one of these events. So that's why I think you see a downfield at the John Deere plus the Live event there at Pumpkin Ridge outside of Portland. And right now, Xander Schauffele has a two-shot lead. Uh, it, it, the Travelers going on in Hartford, Connecticut right now uh, over at the Gala and Kevin Kisner as Patrick Cantlay really struggling today. Yeah. He's too over to begin. Yeah, that's uh, my guy. Fight. That's my only bullet here at the Traveler. <laughs> so I don't want to get greedy. I'd like to win both. But Patrick Cantlay and Xander Schauffele, by the way, the final pairing two days in a row. Of course, they won earlier this year, the yep. Zurich Classic of New Orleans, that team event. So they were very comfortable. Cantlay, seven under yesterday. He got the better of the round. But so far, it is the X-Man trying to close it out. First time he would win like a full field event, I think, in a few years. Because yeah, he's always won those short field events, including when he won Olympic gold over in Tokyo last summer. But X-Man currently minus 165 to go ahead and get this home. Patrick Cantlay plus 550. Sahif Vigala, uh, don't forget about him. Remember, he was right in the mix at the... Uh, at the uh, Phoenix Open mm-hmm. earlier this year and uh, almost had his first win, so he's in the mix. Now we're seeing Kevin Kisner. And, you know, Kevin Kisner's not a guy I played this week, but this is a short course, 6,800-some yards. So type course. This seems like it would be a Kevin Kisner type of course where it's like, I can be a little creative. I don't lose a lot of length off the tee. Right. So, by the way, the Gala and Kisner, two back at 15 under par. Shoffley currently at 17 under. Then Patrick Cantlay, two over on his round. Very disappointing start for Patrick Cantlay. And look, he has had some trouble yeah. in final he rounds has. this year. He lost in the playoff to Scotty Scheffler at Phoenix. Uh, we got the better end of that one. And then got the worst end at least for our buddy Brady Cannon, who had him over Jordan Spieth at the RBC Heritage. That doesn't get there. So uh, we do have that going on. And then a little bit later, we'll also get you updated on this LPGA major yeah. that is coming down the stretch. Lexi Thompson that, trying the, to hold on. Yeah, the KPMG Women's PGA. It is Lexi Thompson, a two-shot lead over NG Chung, who had been the dominant player. I think had a seven-shot lead after the first round. Now four over on a round. So two behind Lexi Thompson. Uh, Lexi uh, trying to make up for last year at the U.S. Women's Open when she had a five Five-shot lead going into the back nine and just gave it away at the Olympic Club. So two-shot lead here, about three to play for Lexi Thompson. Back congressional in uh, Washington, D.C. Of course, I was I had the good fortune of playing several times and birdied 18. So my buddy Dave Feldman said, whatever you can say for the rest of your life, you can always say you birdied 18 at Congo. Mm-hmm. So I, that's that's something I can put so on my you've appetite. you've got something in common with Rory McIlroy. You did it many years ago at the uh, U.S. Men's Open. Different tees that we played. Although, but yeah. although he made more than one birdie that week <laughs> when he dominated the field on that soft golf course. You know, I want to talk about uh, last night, speaking of, of things that, that happened. If you watched the UFC card last night, uh, as I was watching intently, and this is why we do what we do on long shots each and every week to try to get you in the winner's circle like Wes did today with that 70-1, to 1. 
And certainly with the UFC last night, like we do each and every week on First Strike. And I had mentioned why I liked Gamrot in the main event at plus mm-hmm. 230. Now, to me, it was controversial. But if you watch the show, if you watch First Strike, First Look with, with Britton Hess, my producer, we talked about this last Tuesday, that when you look at a main event where the underdog was over $2 betting underdog, 230 could have got Gamrot on. And we had kind of hypothesized that it felt like with the over-under set at four and a half, that this had the potential to go all five and potentially go to the judges' scorecards. Yeah. And what you are finding out now, certainly in the UFC, and this has been true for boxing for decades, that when you go to the cards, it becomes subjective. Mm-hmm. Kind of like MVP voting in football or in baseball, where all of a sudden you don't have you have data, but it's not quantifiable that you say, well, this means that this person has to win. So when you watch the Gamrot fight last night, I actually had Tarzukian winning the fight. I had him winning on my right. card 48-47. But I backed Gamrot financially because I knew it would be close. I knew it would be subjective. And then it did go to Gamrot in a decision that had a lot of people perplexed. Yeah, and these were two guys, by the way. And I think rightfully taking that value at the underdog, I thought – uh Tarsuki and also also won the fight, but he did not get it. It was a unanimous decision, 48-47. All three judges had that scored. But when you look at the rankings, and I know those rankings don't always indicate, you know, what a true betting split should be, but yep. I think one guy was rated 11th and one guy was rated 12th in that in that division, mm-hmm. in that lightweight division. So this was a big fight for both guys to be, to be main event, even yep. though it was a TV card and kind of the calm before the storm. Next week Ooh. we get UFC 276 for International Fight Week out here in Las Vegas. Biggest card of the year, at least one of the biggest cards of the year. So calm before the storm. But that was an important fight to those guys because all of a sudden, you know, you inch your way into that top 10 and it's like, okay, now you're getting a prime spot maybe on a pay-per-view. You're at least getting on a main card or you're getting kind of a a contender's match or a title eliminator. I know they don't really use that term necessarily at UFC. And Tarzuki is 25, by the way, people. So Mm -hmm. even though he was crushed, he was, he was, he he thought, man, my career is over. I was like, no, man, you still, you still got a lot of learning to do here, uh, Tarzuki. And so uh, he he is perplexed by the judging, by what they saw. mm -hmm. Right. And again, I had Moraz off at my, Minus a dollar forty, and that almost bit me the other way because Julian Paiva, that fight did go the distance as well. And I know some people thought Paiva did enough work. Right. And what we are trying to identify here is judging being subjective, even with the new rules. Like the Gamrot decision uh, th- this week went in my favor. Last week, mm-hmm. Calvin Cater against Josh Emmett, I thought Cater won. Right. They gave it to Emmett. So yeah. again, it, not that it always evens it's out. It's frustrating. It is. It's yeah. it's just hard to quantify You're, exactly what you the know. Judges there are, are there are. I mean, we're so used to like the stick and ball sports and yes. point spreads and sides and totals where, you know, you get bad beats sometimes in MMA too. You get bad decisions and different judges in different states, by the way. So, you know, sometimes you have Nevada judges or New Jersey judges or whatever jurisdiction, whatever athletic commission you get. And, you know, these guys see a different fight and certain judges are going to value certain things. Certain judges are going to value wrestling yes. and ground control a little bit more. Certain judges are kind of going to get you know, faked out maybe by the fans if they're reacting to a bunch of punches that sure. aren't landing. Even, so, even the corners sometimes, yeah. as vocal as they can be. Well, you know, and sometimes those things... And, you, and a, you can steal. You can. You can steal a round from a judge if he, if he or she is listening there at cage side. And, you know, you it's often hard to see ignore. that. So, yeah. And I know I know how what Dana is saying, Dana White is saying, when he says don't let it go to the judges. Sometimes it's really hard because these fighters are so evenly so, matched. They were so you know? technical last night. Yeah, you never know what it's going to be. You try yeah. to be a good 
good matchmaker, as Sean Shelby and company do over there at UFC. But sometimes you're going to get great fights, and you had a couple good ones last night, and sometimes you're going to get snoozers. And by the way, the numbers you see behind us here that Nikolika sets for, for the uh, combat sports here for UFC and boxing, if you were following last night, you could have gotten over $4 for Gamrot going mm-hmm. into the fifth and final round. So the betting market certainly thought Tarzukian was winning the fight I quite easily. I saw a respected journalist that had Tarzukian winning all five rounds. I don't know if I would go that far. I didn't have that card, but I definitely had Tarzukian winning. And look, I was as shocked as anybody when Gamrot got his arm raised and went, wow, I'm going to cash that ticket. Mm-hmm. But that's the point, people. When you see value in a fight that's going to be subjective, right. that's sometimes when you might want to take an educated guess on the big. And dog. even when we get a, a decision, a questionable one in our favor, we don't feel bad enough to give the money back. No, we're still going to keep that. Yes. And go get lunch today. All right, we've got much more to get to again, including Game 6 in the Stanley Cup. Will this see a Game 7? We'll discuss when you come back with us right here, Betting Across America on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Betting Across America on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Back here, Betting Across America, Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds. And Wes, we were looking up and we see that, of course, the Yankees had the asterisk. No hitter yesterday. I mm-hmm. put the asterisk by because it, it wasn't one guy. Yeah, it was combined. Uh, Christian Javier had 13 strikeouts, so he carried the heavy load. But I think he was through seven with like almost 120 pitches, so they weren't Dusty wasn't going to let him. And we know Dusty has kind of burned out some arms over the years. Yeah, if you remember on the north side of Chicago, they still hold the mark. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They count him. They make him accountable. So, for that. so you know, he wasn't going to leave this guy out to probably go 145 pitches, which is what was going to be necessary against the Yankees. But nevertheless. No hitter yesterday, and at least into the fifth inning. Whoa. So far, we do have a no hitter with Jose Urquidy. He's allowed two walks, and by the way, gave the leadoff walk to Josh Donaldson here in the bottom of the fifth. Three nothing Astros. I mean, nobody's been able to really beat the Yankees lately, but the Astros are on the verge of doing just that. So it got us thinking: Has there ever been a team that got back to back no no? Got a long way to go in the boogie down here for this to happen today. And then our crack staff. That would be Elliot Bowman, our producer. Mm-hmm. Came up with this. May 5th, 1917. Do you remember it? I remember it like it was yesterday, Dave. Well, of course you do, because it was Ernie Koob and Bob Groom, who uh, they were pitching for the St. Louis Browns, and they no-no the White Sox. Now, 
I got to get a point of order here from Elliot, our producer. He says it wasn't consecutive games, but it was consecutive days because the second it, the second day was mm-hmm. the back end of a double dip, mm-hmm. which they just don't even do much anymore. So, so I guess they got no note on day one, then played a game where they got some hits, but then <laughs> in the same second day of the no no of the second game, they got no note again. Yes. So it wasn't. So it's technically not consecutive games; mm-hmm. it's consecutive days. Astros, by the way, trying to take three or four from the Yankees here at the stadium. That's kind of like the Houston Astros just kind of keep rolling along here, and we we forget about them and. They're, tr- they're starting to run away, by the way, with that AL West. And I think a lot of it is not only their good play, but also the fact that the Angels have fallen off. The Mariners have been a disappointment. The Texas Rangers still trying to be plucky there. But there's nobody really there in that division to challenge these guys. So uh, four, looks four, six, six three. three. Ring it. That's two more outs in the bottom of the... Fa- That's the end of the inning. So the no-no is intact through five. Mm-hmm. Holy shnikes. I mean, I wonder if Ernie Coop and Bob Groom, would they yeah. be rooting for this or rooting against yeah. it? And by the way, Ernie, back then... Ernie Coop and Bob Groom didn't have to strike out Aaron Judge either. <laughs> no, I wonder who the White Sox had that day in 1917. <laughs> but I, I wonder, like, back then, you never even thought about taking out a guy who, yeah. had, who had a no-hitter. That's why Ernie yeah. Coop and Bob Groom got it done with relative ease. Just put them out there until they give up a hit and it didn't happen. They weren't worried about arms in 1917. no. No, you you went you went the distance. I mean, there was none of that stuff in 1917. There was no pitch count. It's what like, do you think Ernie and Bob were throwing back in 1917? Is it just heat and curveballs? Did they know about split fingers? But, but, back what, then? but what was heat back then in 1917? About 88 or or, or something 80, like that. 88, but you're cooking. Yeah, get it up to 88 on the yes. south side. Yeah, because right? uh, yeah, those guys weren't exactly throwing cutters and no. four seamers and curves. two seamers. Uh, pretty pretty basic repertoire back then for those gentlemen. But you know what, Ernie Coob and Bob Groom did? They just got them all out. Mm-hmm. That's what they did back in 1917. That is that is top notch research right there. We'll keep you updated because again, I, I don't know if we're setting baseball history, but it would be back to back games. Not back-to-back days like we had in 1970. Right. That's as far back as our crack research goes. But we'll find out if that holds. But it was crack research nonetheless. It was fantastic. Didn't know that at all. Uh, game six tonight is going to be down in Tampa. Is it, is it still the Thunderdome? Do they still call it that? They used to call it the Ice Palace. Ice but Palace. now it's the Amelie Arena. Maybe the old school fans down there call it the Ice Palace for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. Nevertheless, uh, trying to stay in the series tonight as we are at game number six. And I, I don't know that many people thought after what happened in game four, where you win the overtime game, and I think people said, all right, this thing's done. And then Tampa Bay goes back to Colorado, and they win uh, game five. If you heard John Cooper... And I know John Cooper doesn't seem like Mr. Motivation mm-hmm. that like, you know, he's going to go in there. Even and, Keel. Yeah. He's not going to go slam the blackboard and write it up and get everybody off. But he came out to the media and he basically said, if I can summarize, experience matters. Mm-hmm. And it was it was actually pretty powerful in as understated as he was. Right. About mentioning the guys who've been there, done that, two-time Stanley Cup champions, you can discount it if you want, if you don't want to look at the past to see if you can predict the future. But Cooper, it was just as steady as can be. And like, we've been here. We don't blink. They didn't blink in Toronto in Game 7. They didn't blink when they were 2-0 against the Blue Shirts in New York after leaving Madison Square. And now, they're back home in a comfortable setting 
Vasilevsky's playing really well again after that game two debacle. And right now, minus a dollar five, as you see the bet MGM, would you bet against them tonight? Uh, I did actually bet against mm. them. I laid 110 with the Avs. I don't know what I'm going to do with the total. We are now starting to see five and a half in certain markets. Actually, at BetMGM, five Whoa. and a half minus a dollar twenty. Behind us at Circa Sports, five and a half to the over minus a dollar twenty-five. So the sixes are disappearing, and I thought that they would because that's what most betters are going to do. The deeper in the series it goes, you're thinking, okay, these two teams, you know, they might be a little conservative, they might be a little tight, you know. Uh, you know, and play it a little bit close to the vest. You don't want to make a mistake. You don't want to take a bad penalty. Right. It's kind of what we saw actually in game number five where it looked like, okay, if you had the over six like I did, you had a chance because Tampa scored made it three to two. So mm-hmm. you're like, okay, possibility for an empty netter at least to get a push. Certainly six minutes for a powerful offense like Colorado yes. to get the equalizer and send, and send it in OT tied at three to three. But what happens, Colorado late penalty by the way it gets down to about three minutes and change or so and they take a late penalty a penalty by the way that was not called in game number four that was too many men on the ice and Corey Perry even though he didn't get credit for the winning goal might have won them that game because Corey Perry had come out for a shift a longtime veteran longtime great player in the National Hockey League and he pointed it right out and said too many men on the ice and was right there where the referee uh, could hear and then they did call the Avs uh, too many men on the ice so Tampa Bay was able to kind of you know just kind of pass the puck around on the power play under three minutes ago they're not trying to shoot or right. get counterattacked here when they've got the man, the man advantage with the extra attacker so they were just they were just you know passing the puck around trying to keep it in so Colorado did not get to pull Darcy Kemper until what like 40 seconds left so it's like you've only got one maybe two rushes that's it in that time period so it ends up three to two but when, when you look at it, you're right. Vasilevsky has returned to his normal self. 106 shot attempts uh, stopped out of 113. So that's a 93.4 save percentage. And, and Darcy Kemper hasn't been bad no, in, his, in his own right. He's been a little bit better. Look, we, we said at the beginning, and it's clear as day, that Tampa Bay has the goaltender advantage. But you look, Darcy Kemper, last two games, 63 of 68 shots stopped, 92.6%. But Darcy Kemper has the advantage of having a little bit better defense. He does. And, and I look at this and I go, can can Tampa Bay, if they win what would be then games five, six, and seven, to win the series down three games to one, to win the Conn Smythe, it, it's got to be Vasilevsky, mm-hmm. right? So he's that's the six. only guy I think you could bat here. So is it smarter than to bat Vasilevsky at plus six fifty versus Tampa Bay to win the next two? If you hadn't hopped in now, which way would you rather go? Say, you know what, I'm going to take the better odds at plus 650 for Vasilevsky to win mm-hmm. versus the individual games of Tampa, you know, minus $1.05 today and or Tampa to come back and win this series. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's the guy that's going to get it. I know, uh, you know, you've had a couple guys uh, that have played fairly well, Kucherov and those guys, but I think if it's going Tampa Bay's way and they go ahead and win the Stanley Cup, for a third straight year, it is going to be Andre Vasilevsky. Whereas Colorado, you could kind of go with Makar, you can go with McKinnon, you can go any number of ways. I think those would be the main two, but maybe Nishushkin as well. Yeah. So, you, you know, you look at that, and I think that's really the way to go is betting Vasilevsky. If you really like the series, I just think that there's a little bit more value. But going back to Colorado, Tampa Bay has a very good defense, but Colorado's had the best defense this year. They were, I think, number four in the league in terms of uh, 
expected goals against uh, for 60 minutes in regulation during the regular season. Number one in the playoffs, mm. though. So Colorado has been absolutely fantastic. But you don't think of them for defense. No, but that, right? no, because uh, because they score so much and they have so much firepower. Makar, McKinnon, Rottenen, Nishuskin. Now Nazim Kadri back right. uh, returned, had a big goal two games ago that ended up being the game-winning goal. So you think that they're just so loaded on offense, but defensively they pay the price. They block shots. They don't make a lot of mistakes in their own zone. So I am on Colorado tonight. I said at the beginning, I didn't bet it accordingly. I wish it would have bet exact series outcome, but I said Colorado in six. Mm. That's where I thought it was going to be. So I laid the 110 here. I don't know if what I'm going to do with the total. I may just stay off of it because sometimes you get a little spooked when you get the under the game before you thought was going to go over. I would lean to the over. If you made me bet it, I would bet the over, but I think I'm just going to stay out of that because look, this is a closeout game. This could end up being like 2-1 or 3-2 to two or something like no that. No question about it. We're going to have, uh, in the last hour of the show today, we're going to have Ian Cameron join us as well. We're going to really break down this series uh, in this Game 6 even in more detail. Got some changes going on in the world of golf, including one back at Congressional. Mm-hmm. And the uh, and we'll find out what's going on with Lexi Tom- Thompson. We'll discuss when you come back with us right here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. This is Betting Across America on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The VSIN Summer Special is here. For only $19, you get everything VSIN has to offer from now to the end of July. Sign up today, you're going to get daily, uh, VSIN's daily best bets, including Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets, NFL preseason coverage, premium articles on golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. So if you want the full VSIN experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it. The cost is only $19 to be a subscriber through July 31st. So sign up now at VSIN.com. Slash summer. Back alongside Wes Reynolds, I am Dave Ross. We do have some uh, updates that we want to give you very quickly. Going to get to the world of golf here in a second and see about that no-no going on in New York. But we, we were talking about Ernie Kube and Bob Groom. Mm-hmm. The last two pitchers, they were for the St. Louis Browns. I'm sure everybody remembers in 1917 when they had back-to-back no-nos in, in two consecutive days against the Chicago White Sox because the Yankees could potentially be no-noed again today by the Astros. Mm-hmm. Bob, uh, Ernie Koob, rather, had already fought in the Great War. Kids, that was World War One. okay? And so on his resume, think about this. Fought in World War One in the Great War, on the correct side, our side. And then threw a no-no for the St. Louis Browns. Right. Like, if I'm the gatekeeper and have an in, mm-hmm. like, you get in. Does that automatically get you into Cooperstown? Gets in. Yes. Like Abner Doubleday, uh, for those, those yeah. who don't know who he is. Abner Doubleday invented Major League Baseball. Yeah. He was also a general on the Union side mm-hmm. in the Civil War. Mm-hmm. In. You've, yeah. done, you've accomplished enough. You get you in. You fight in war and you have a notable baseball accomplishment. I, I think that is automatic. That's like, you know, the Legends Committee or the Legends Award or some kind of special award to be recognized, certainly. If so. there are pearly gates, you get in yes. on that. Yes. That's the way I look at it. Bob Groom, by the way, after pitching that no-no in 1919, went back to Belleville, Illinois for his family's coal mining business. Mm-hmm. He was, I mean, think hard work. You throw a no-no today? You're probably doing a commercial that says, mm-hmm. like, baseball legend. Yes. Right? Because Ricky Fowler just did a commercial that I saw for CBD, mm-hmm. and it said golf champion. 
We're playing. The hell yeah, is that? I mean, I guess he's technically a champion if you can't like win in the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Certainly not a bad accomplishment or some regular tour events, but champion? golf champion, you're usually thinking major championship winner. Yes. Bob Groom went back to do his coal mining after pitching yeah. a no-no. Ernie Coob fought in World War One. Ricky Fowler, golf champion. Okay, teach their own. Sta- standards are different here in 2020. They've changed a lot. Speaking of changes, a lot's changing right now, Congressional, in the PGA Championship right now, because Lexi Thompson's trying to get that home. Mm-hmm. And last we updated her, she had a two-shot lead. Yeah. That lead is gone. Yeah, it was Inji Chun that led pretty much throughout the entire week, was the overnight leader as well, and then she fell off. Uh, looked like she was going to tumble down the leaderboard, and her chances were done. But Inji Chung, I believe, is going to have a birdie putt. Going into this hole here at 17, Inji Chun minus 110, Lexi Thompson plus 110. Lexi Thompson certainly had the momentum here in this round, but three bogeys in her last four holes. And I just remember that U.S. Women's Open last year at the Olympic Club in San Francisco. And, and, you know, it's been a while for her to come back here. So she's got her second shot to try to get inside Inji Chun. By the way, Minji Lee, the leader in the clubhouse, that's my one chance really here. And she is 14 to 1. That's basically just a little bit under what she was pre-tournament so we'll see lexi thompson's second shot here and uh okay so it's a good okay, shot not go. inside ng chum nope. but 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 it's gonna have a look both these players gonna have a look for birdie ng chum minus 125 lexi plus 120 wow. Minji Lee 16 to 1 so again you're seeing this, the scores here at five under how hard that's playing at congressional they said it's one of the longer courses certainly on the lpga uh the way that the congressional is playing it has not been easy this week on that golf course, so she she can get home. But, you know, it's interesting because we talk about scar tissue a lot. Certainly in the world of golf, it can happen in a lot of individual sports, right? Where sometimes I think there's there's positive scar tissue where you're in the fight, but you come up a little Mm -hmm. bit short. But there's, conversely, when you failed, like I look back at even, say, Jordan Spieth at Augusta when he, he puts it in Ray's Creek in a tournament he was leading. It's been tough for him to get back right at, at different places and i wonder if that's working against lexi thompson now that she's now the underdog even though she just had yeah. the, the, the two-shot lead not that long ago yeah this is such a grinder and credit ng chung who didn't go away you know made a birdie here at 16 got right back tied for the lead so uh Two holes to play, both players on the green with birdie opportunities at 17, oh and uh, we'll see where this goes. Minji Lee, by the way, don't go too far, you know, don't necessarily no, don't, don't get in the, the courtesy line. card, yeah. uh, you know, go to the range. Uh, these uh, gals might make bogey here at 18 and not make their birdies at 17, so we shall see, but a little bit bigger lead at the uh, Travelers Championship it's in widening. Hartford, and that is Xander Shoffley, three-shot lead, now minus 250 at BetMGM, a host of players tied for second, actually three of them, Sahith the guy. At 1500, he's seven to one. Kevin Kisner, eight to one. And then maybe the story of the tournament. How mm-hmm. about uh, Michael Theor Bornson, uh, by the way, 20 year old amateur of Cleveland, Ohio, now lives uh, in Wellesley, Massachusetts, plays at Stanford University, and he is right now tied for second at 15 under. So if you were wondering, by the way, who the last amateur was to win a PGA Tour event, oh, don't say his name. That was one Phil Mickelson in 1991 at the Northern Telecom Open in Tucson, Arizona. 
Arizona. So the Sun Devil uh, was was winning there in Tucson. So uh, put, put the goofy head on. If yes, you remember back in yes, nineteen ninety one. So Michael Theor Bornson, because uh, one of the reasons and one of the things I wrote up, not really the reason I bet him this week, but Patrick Cantlay, who by the way is now no oh boy tied for fifth at fourteen under par. And he, he just is, hit it. He just hit it from the drop yeah, zone. He's yeah, struggled. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, his uh, his mate Xander Shoffley from Southern California very much outplaying him today. Mm-hmm. It was the reverse yesterday. But remember Cantlay back in 2011 when he was a 20-year-old amateur at UCLA once shot 60 on this course. That's still the lowest round, by the way, ever by an amateur. So here's Theor Bornson to try to make birdie and get outright second, and he does. So going to try to chase down Xander Shoffley, this amateur. The amateur is now only two back as as he birdies 10. So he's got eight holes still to come in. This would be one heck of a story. When you mention history here, 1991, I mean, you don't expect a class player like Xander Shoffley to give this mm-hmm. up. You're going to have to go get it. But right mm-hmm. now, he's on the chase. And Scott Verplank did it back in 1985 at the BMW Championship. That is yes. that's a remarkable history. Yeah, it's that only happened twice, on. by the way. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, Chris Goddard out of Oklahoma, who just turned pro as part of their NCAA tournament team this year. He was a top 10 at the Puerto Rico Open, a much weaker field. So this is very impressive uh, by Theor Bornson. Uh, one baseball score I want to get to because it did start at the top of the hour. College variety, though. College World Series. This is a loser leave town, basically, Uh-oh. for Oklahoma because Ole Miss did win the game last night, 10-3. to So best of three out here in Omaha. So College World Series, bottom of the second. It is Ole Miss and Oklahoma. No score yet on the board. I think it closed about minus $1.20 for Ole Miss. Uh, was the split about even money on Oklahoma and then 11 was your total update I'm now rooting for history to be joined by Ernie Koob and Bob Groom no no through six for the Strohs so okay we and saw he what, is at 87 pitches by so the what's way Dusty Jose, gonna do? what's he gonna do your quitty's gonna pull him again like he just did this 24 hours ago mm-hmm. I mean this isn't two years ago this isn't two decades ago with Kerry Wood yeah. and Mark Pryor yeah this is 24 hours ago. And I said it yesterday with Amal Shaw right here in the network. I, I get what we're talking about. But mm-hmm. 100 years from now, when somebody's sitting in our chairs here at VEASAN, they're going to go, you know, if you go back to 2022, <laughs> right? That, like, we're talking about Ernie Koob and Bob Groom. You know why? They made baseball history. But Jose Urquidy, I don't think, is going to be working in any coal mines anytime soon. No, because uh, he'll like be a baseball champion. Yes, uh, so right now, bottom of the six. We are through six, actually. 88 pitches, the official count for Urquidy. Three strikeouts, three walks today, but no hits. So I got to think maybe if that inning in the seventh is going to be quick, because he just did go through uh, – uh, LeMahieu and Judge in the owner, so he's going to get Rizzo, Stanton, and Donaldson in the bottom of the seventh. I think if you're under 100 pitches, I think Dusty at least lets him come out for the eighth. Okay, but Dusty's going to do it again, right? If he's at 105, yeah. theoretically, yeah. through eight, he's going to pull him. He's you not talk about scar night. tissue because everybody out there is saying, well, Mark Pryor and Kerry Wood, look at what you did to these guys. So uh, Dusty, Dusty, I don't think, is going to let history repeat itself. That's... Dusty, let him go. If he's, if he's, if it's, what was it yesterday? 111 pitches through seven? I, I, he was at like 115. Okay. That's, that's, that's yeah. a different conversation, right? But I don't want Dusty to go in a box here and just say, you know what? I'm going to screw 
Baseball well, history and Ernie Coombs well, we and Bob saw, Grooms. We of the saw world. Dave Roberts do that in a perfect game oh. with Clayton Kershaw. Now I understand doing that with Kershaw because he's a little bit older now. He did uh, Dave Roberts, by the way, uh, about a week ago against uh, the Angels. He did like Tyler Anderson going in the ninth inning, and he was in the one teens and pitches. Uh, eventually, uh, it was Otani. I think got a triple off of him and ruined that no no bid. So it really depends if it's a more better if, if it's an older pitcher, you're not going to do that. But nevertheless, the Astros, by the way, let's not bury the lead they have held the new york yankees the best team in major league baseball this year to no hits through the last 16 innings if you were to set a number right now on whether if if he's if he's got a no-no through seven that dusty lets him come out for the eighth what's your number uh in terms of uh an odds or the pitch down odds uh i'm dusty allows this to happen 24 hours later and changes his mind i'm gonna say like plus two dollars on the yes Dust, I wouldn't take the bet because I know what Dusty's going to do, and he's not going to do what Ernie Koob and Bob Groom did. We're going to talk more baseball when we come back with uh, Jason Inglis next, right here on the Cindy Sports Betting Network. This is at Bed365. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Betting across America on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. BetMGM, the king of sports books, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you're going to earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets, risk-free tokens, planning a trip to Vegas. Well, you can convert those BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resort properties located in the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager on the BetMGM app. Sign up with BetMGM or Log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligible restrictions to apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back alongside Wes Reynolds, I am Dave Ross. This is Betting Across America here on VEASAN. My Metropolitans did not get the sweep. The fight and fish fight back, get a win in extras. And right now, we're going bottom seven in the boogie down, known mm-hmm. as the Bronx, does your quitty come out for the seventh with 88 pitches? I think he comes out. I don't know how long. This has got to be a very quick inning, I think, for him to go to eight. And, you know, we talked about it yesterday. 115 pitches for Christian Javier. 13 strikeouts, no hit baseball through seven. But Dusty, you know, 
he could not let him go, I, I think, in that situation. But it depends on how quick this inning is going to be for your quitty. Mm. Now, 3 nothing going into the bottom of the seventh. You mentioned the Metropolitans. Uh, don't get the sweep down there in South Beach. It was a walk-off home run for Fortes. So, Ottavino gets the loss today, 3-2 Marlins. Let's bring in Josh Ingles uh, from Covers, MLB betting analyst, and uh, discuss more about this right now, Josh. Very quickly, great to have you back in the program. You know, we were talking about a little bit before we came on how awkward it kind of felt for the team hug for Houston yesterday with the combined no-no. Can Dusty <laughs> switch his stripes 24 hours later? Or are we going to see possibly the same thing play out? Uh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm looking straight down. I'm, I really want to see where this goes. Because like you said yesterday, 115 pitches probably wasn't going to go there. But today we have a little bit of a situation going on. I'd hate to be... Uh, Hate to be in New York tomorrow with the headlines going if they get no hit today again. But mm-hmm. if we if they go to the bullpen here, I am absolutely looking for the dugout and looking to see if they've improved their celebration tactics from yesterday because <laughs> that was that was awful. Everybody felt it. You're like, okay, you're celebrating it, but oh, okay, maybe we shouldn't be. Yeah, we talk about maybe the headlines in New York if they get no hit two days in a row, and then they're going to forget we're 52 and 21. Here. It's okay, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah, the sky is not falling here in the Bronx, even though the Astros would have taken three of four from the pinstripes. We'll update that here as uh, we find out what Dusty does and how the seventh inning goes here as they play. Get ready for the bottom of seventh in the boogie down. Josh, let's get to some games getting ready to go, and I know the Reds and the uh, uh, G-Men getting ready to go here. Uh, Scafani's going to go up against Molly here for the Reds. What do you like? Is there a side or a total that you prefer here? Uh, this weather. So anytime I'm jumping on a game, as you, as you get older and you get a, you know, get a little more refined in your <laughs> handicapping skills, I get old and I just look at the weather first. Cause I think, honestly, I think there is the slightest edge in weather related plays that you can get. And this is a really weird weather pattern here in San Francisco. We got low temperatures in the sixties, but humidity is at 90%, and we got a 10-mile-an-hour wind blowing out. And we kind of saw it yesterday with four balls leaving the yard for San Francisco, four different batters, too. So, I mean, San Francisco, weak in the middle reliever position. And like you said, Descalfini probably just butchered it there. But, like, he's just coming off the 60-day DL. He just went three innings in his last game, 55 total pitches. So he'll probably give way to that average San Francisco bullpen. Yeah, and if the ball's carrying out, I mean, Evan Longoria is back-to-back games with home runs, so temperature's certainly there. Uh, no Jonathan India. Looks like Herkiti's staying in as I, as I peek down here. No Jonathan India in, in the leadoff spot here, but on the season, both teams have been profitable to the over. We know Cincinnati's not the team they were at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. They're getting a little better. They're getting a little healthier. And uh, Molly can really get hit up. 12 hits versus the Dodgers in that last outing. So, yeah, this is probably my favorite play on the day that over. Anytime I'm looking for an over, I'm probably correlating it well with the weather. And, Josh, very quickly to that end, do you also prefer first fives or over as well, or is that a full game one that you would just wager there? Uh, Weird games. Like teams like Baltimore really like first five over because they have like a really sneaky good bullpen on the back end. So it's just, as I said, weather was number one bullpen's number two on the second thing I always check. Head over to Fangraphs first. Go see who pitched last night. Go see if people are available because I think those are small edges that the betting public can get because I don't think it's priced in. If Joe Schmo has thrown 40 pitches in back-to-back games in the setup spot. Josh, uh, another interesting game here on the late slate. Going to get going in about a little over a half hour. It is uh, 
Kyle Gibson, you Darvish, by the way, Philadelphia in San Diego. Phillies have taken two of the three so far at Petco Park, but no Bryce Harper. Mm. Uh, that that nasty pitch oh, he I... took off the hand yesterday, so he is obviously out, at least for the short term. But the betters are, look, it's moving in San Diego's favor, not surprisingly, but this is about a 20-plus cent move on the Padres, yeah. who are now without Tatis and Manny Machado. Yeah. Unfortunately, fortunately, not a fractured ankle, ankle, though, for Machado, just a sprain. But what do you make of this move, and do you think there's now some value in the fills to get three or four in San Diego? Erkiti just gave up a solo shot here to Stanton, oh! so we won't be seeing So we don't we have to worry have... about it now. Yeah. Damn it! Oh, the, yeah, the, the, the two gentlemen are was... safe. Yeah. yeah, Dusty wiping the sweat off his brow there for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good but line. But I think, I think you nailed yeah. it. Yeah, you nailed it, though. I think this line has gone a little too far with just the Bryce news. Like I said, Machado's out, and I'm sure everybody kind of jumping over to the open markets there of the NL MVP looking at uh, some certain angles with Machado out before the news comes out with Harper. I mean, I, I believe it's still Goldschmidt at plus 180 leading the way for that but there is some uh, there is some angles to be had in the nl mvp race with these guys beat up but like you said 140 to minus 160 totals also fallen to seven i mean harper out this is the bottom of the philly lineup today that they're trotting out here not great when you have dd gregarious there in the four hole that's saying something we all know darvish goes on these heaters 0.88 whip over his last seven games which is better than his season numbers uh, and he's getting deep, right? 20 outs in six straight starts, at least 20 outs. So he's getting deep. But, I mean, the expected metrics are kind of indicating that something's going to give here. His velo's down, his spin's down. Hitters are hitting 276 off his cutter, which is his primary pitch at 35%. So there are things that are indicating like a fade to Darvish, and this might be a good spot with Philly kind of pumping plus 145. Gibson's not a bad horse to tie your wagon to for, for this money. He could get deep. So as we were talking about first fives, the Philly bullpen is a roller coaster yes. mm. and it's a scary one, especially because, I mean, when this Philly lineup is hot, I think it might be one of the best in all of baseball. And you see these blown multi-run leads late in innings. And as a better, it's just there, there's, there's literally nothing worse in the baseball season than checking in on a score that you thought you won three innings earlier and you come back and you see the Philly bullpen blew it so this would be a spot I actually wrote this down philly first five money line plus 140 in a game that i think might be tight and low scoring as the books are indicating with the seven even the push on on the tie after five you know what i mean take your money take your push and walk on all right so that, that's pretty good uh, way to, to attack that game i wonder what you do with detroit and arizona with dallas keichel <laughs> going with arizona here is this just an auto fade now gentlemen do we have to back the tiggers in this one Oh, uh, I was I was talking to uh, G Unit Greg Patterson the other day. It was on the podcast last night for today, and this is so funny. I think he was the first person I saw that put out that the the Diamondbacks hadn't released a starter for today, but it might be him. So we're seeing <laughs> arguably the worst starting pitcher in baseball versus the worst offense in baseball. Wow. Detroit is is so bad offensively this year. It's not even funny. Arizona's second worst offense in the NL. So it might just be one of these games where you kind of just tune in to watch. But there is a slight overreaction here to bad pitching. Arizona, best under team at home, 12, 24, and 2. That's 67% to the under. We know the humidor has an effect in that stadium. And that's pretty much the reason why they brought it in there. 
I mean, Keiko's probably not going to go deep. So uh, he's coming from like, not rookie ball, Arizona complex league where he didn't have a, he didn't have a long start. I think he gave up four runs. So, I mean, he's just in here maybe as an opener. I can't see them really getting much out of here, but I mean, Detroit pitcher Brisky, two scoreless starts in June of four. He sits 95 on his fastball. He throws that 50% and he still gets 42% ground ball. So I really think that this total might be slightly inflated. I don't want to say that because I know the number is correct and the books are always correct here. But I think the public reaction is probably to see Keiko and fade. So I really think the under might be the play here. Yeah, very interesting. Again, people backing Dallas Keuchel do it uh, at your own risk, but that, that is a very interesting way to look at that uh, against the worst offense in baseball in Detroit. Hey, Josh, appreciate it again. Uh, follow him on Twitter, everybody. Covers underscore Josh. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday baseball, Josh. Enjoy, and I'm sorry we didn't get to see uh, a dusty awkwardness, but I know. <laughs> we wanted it. We were rooting for it. Geo Stanton saved him from making that decision. He absolutely did. Come on back. Much more to get to here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. Bet MGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.